Oh, I thought we were doing an intro. Good morning. <laughs> I thought we were doing a two-minute intro. That's what you said. That's cool. It's cool. No, we, we, it. We, no. we got it. We got it. We, we got it. We're not doing it. I was not in that conversation. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Self-Evident Podcast. You got Mazzy. You got Maggie. Yo, I'm here. We're both wearing hats because my hair is, uh... well, folks, it's just not a good thing. So yeah. I'm wearing a hat yeah. today. Me too, because uh, my hair looks like I dipped it in a used <laughs> fryer vat. Yeah, I'm not pulling the hat off to show you guys, but let's We're, just say uh, uh, the the grease content is more than McDonald's burgers. That's right. We're not doing this to sell you merch. Wink, wink. We, we're not wearing T-shirts that our ministry produces that you can buy online at theselfevidenttruth.com. We're not doing that. <laughs> you got to show him. Show him. Massey's not. Wearing a hat that you can get at theselfevidenttruth.com. Anyway, that's all we got. That's all we got. There's our podcast. <laughs> so, guys, good morning. We we are we are rounding the corner here to Independence Day. We're rounding. I like, we're rounding I like the, that your the, corner the, was like a NASCAR curve. It, it, it's it's we're 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 doing the yeah. hook here. We're 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 moving in the in the cubby, right? We're, we're rounding third, coming home here to July 4th. Yeah, 90 degree, right in the cubby. I got yeah. immediately this picture of this kid in kindergarten, like trying to shove all his stuff in his cubby. We're, Sorry, we're getting in yeah, to the, we're, to we're the, to the home stretch here. Yeah. Uh, and and we, we, got, go. we, we got a lot to talk about because, you know, we get requests. Thank you guys for sending in requests about what you want us to talk about. Uh, this is one of them, actually. Today's show is going to be sweet. Uh, and, and if you guys uh, tune in on, on reviveusnow.com, I'll be preaching Sunday about some of the yes. stuff. Uh, I don't never normally tell people to check out the sermons that I preach on Sundays or Wednesdays because whatever. But this is a little different because it's July 3rd and I usually preach the fourth weekend, the July 4th weekend uh, to, to honor not only our, 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 our nation, its history. Talk about its flaws. I've done that many times, you know, like slavery and all these other things. We, we debunk a lot of the theories out there. But this one's going to be really unique, and and so I hope you guys get ministered to uh, reviveusnow.com Sunday morning. But and then too, just tune into reviveusnow.com to watch Todd sermons. Pastor yeah. Todd is like, gosh, you know, and and then I have to follow that up, right? I I think anybody else who preaches at Revive goes, well, I hope I don't completely yeah. suck. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm not I, touching Todd. That's I for think, sure. I think I got. I think I know the Bible. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> What's that? What's that one book? Reva, Reva, <laughs> Reva Memphis. Yeah, Reva Memphis. Somewhere's in the Bible. It's in their chapter something. God is good. Jesus loves you. That's it. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. You know? So yeah, tune in. Tune into those sermons too, man. Pastor Todd is like the man, uh, and and our church is pretty cool. So if you guys are in the Stewart area, you guys can be a part of that because we love promoting it. What a what a rounding recommendation. It is. It's just cool. I mean, our it's church cool. is dope. It's a family I atmosphere. It. I love it. Uh, but it's not why we do it. We do it because the gospel is being promoted. We are standing for things in this nation that need to be stood against and standing for those things. You know, we also have some really cool candidates. We're going to have Amy Pritchett on here really mm -hmm. soon, school board uh, uh, candidate. We had uh, Jennifer Russell here. We've just yeah. had some, some some people come on our show, which is good. Now, we're going to be talking about this. Dun, dun, dun. <clears throat> Can we paint the scene? Paint the scene. Oh, he's doing it, but I'm on screen. So we're going to be talking about this little thing that good morning America said the first black justice got sworn in <laughs> because that's accurate, man. The Supreme court fact check. What happens when they issue an opinion? What right. happens when they, when, when they make a, when, when they make an opinion or, or have to take a, a yeah. case in, do they even have jurisdiction over it? We're going to talk about some of this Kid, stuff today. And, and consider this, what would you call a biopic? Who is the Supreme court? And I think, and so somebody had brought this to us of like, how is the Supreme Court? How? Why is the Supreme? Why? What? What? Um, so ask those questions right now in the comments. Why? What? How? I don't know. Ask any questions. I can't guarantee we'll answer, but you can ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> but this actually was was uh, uh, asked to us by by several people uh, online about to, to talk about the Supreme Court and, and it's really I mean, we talk about this. I touch on the Supreme Court's uh, decisions and things like that in yep. the abortion talk that I do uh, and how it was never legal 
Uh, I've been preaching that for years, what easily 10 years mm-hmm. that abortion was never legal because Supreme Court can't issue law. They're, 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 what they do is issue opinions. And their opinions are literally just that. Their opinion, their Supreme Court opinions. That's why they're called opinions. And, and even our founders said they should never interpret the law because what you just do there is you say whatever they interpret, they can, that, that's what we go with. Well, that means redefining. Yeah. And that's dangerous stuff because our Constitution never meant to be living and breathing. The only thing that it was supposed to do was if you wanted to change something, amend it. Right. That's the point. So it wasn't to be, we're just going to expand the meanings of the meanings. No, go back to its original intent first. And if we want to change it, amend it. Right. And and I think there's a lot of confusion in the conservative sphere, even uh, and, and the honestly, the progressive sphere. They don't have any clue about how the Constitution really works. They, but they they, they, they they clamor for yeah, it the, when like this happens. They'll scream unconstitutional when something like this happens. But the Supreme Court, even for me, seems to be shrouded in a bit of mystery of like, what? are they actually supposed to be doing because we can say, well, they rule cases. Yeah. Okay. And then a law comes up. That's the argument is whether or not it's constitutional. Okay. Mm -hmm. What can the Supreme court do? And so we decided, Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to get down to the nuts and bolts. And I sat in my cubicle furiously typing away, finding information for you. I want you to know, I sacrificed my life under fluorescent lights and cubicle walls for you this information there's there's something to be said about that because you know sitting in a in a in a cube by the way he's complaining right (laughs) pastor todd if you're watching this he's complaining stating truths just just so we know here we're clear his wife made up all these balloons little streamers for his birthday but he's got to complain about something right well my wife treats me well my wife treats me well (laughs) It has been quite a night and quite a morning. We went to the Dude Perfect thing last night. Yeah, how was that? that Before was fun, we even man. get in this, re- yeah, how yeah, was yeah. it? That, that was. I, I gotta say this. Like those guys, you know, were, are they are they preachers of the gospel? No. Are they are they uh, uh, you know bulwarks of liberty? Absolutely not. That's not even their bailiwick, right? Yeah. They're good, wholesome entertainment for for parents for kids, right? So we go there. Then at the end, they do this gospel message about Jesus Christ. Oh, and like, that's cool. they didn't really preach. And, and I was told actually that, that uh, a friend of ours that, it, uh, that I first, so I met this guy in California, his wife, Dude. just beautiful family, right? They had won uh, some VIP tickets and they were coming here from California to Florida during that weekend. They said, Hey, we have an extra ticket. So they met Isaiah and they asked Isaiah to go, which I was like stoked for. Cause my boy is almost 14. He's got to yeah. start experiencing other things on his own. You're not just all yeah. his brothers. So we go there. And my wife's just like last minute, let's buy the other tickets for the boys. You know what I mean? But we didn't get the VIPs. We got the, my nose is still hurting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, you're, you're peering from around yeah. the pillar that's holding yeah. up the ceiling type yeah. stuff. I'd use my phone just to see a close yeah. up. Yeah. You know, like, I think there's somebody down there. I'm kidding. We actually got some decent seats and they weren't very expensive. But I mean, towards the end, they're 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 doing the story, uh, you know, about what their faith, you know, why, why, how they were able to maintain such yeah. a friendship and a bond and business. For 13 years, he's like, because this isn't our identity. Jesus Christ is, and Jesus Christ made us who we are. And uh, but he said that when he was in South Dakota, they actually preached, they gave testimonies and stuff. This one they didn't, and uh, a couple of them were really, really sick. I don't think they should have been out there. One of them had a real bad eye infection, so they still did the show. They still did the. It was cool. It was just cool to, but it was something that I could take my kids to. The, I mean, it was clean. It was fun. It was hilarious, right? These guys. But it was just cool to 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 be a part and to to watch my boys actually light up and have some fun that they didn't have to go to a. You know, we'd have to worry about what's a movie going to promote. What's right. what's Buzz Lightyear going to do now? You right. know, it was right. just something worth it for the boys. And and, and they, they were able to experience it. Uh, we got the we, we the, their merchandise is really, 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 really cool. Right. But super expensive. Oh, like, sure. Because it's merch, you know, right. and of course, you're in the hype. Right. Every parent's like, it's Christian. We have to buy it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they, We have to support these guys. They're clean. A hundred dollars for a sweater. No problem. Why not? My gosh, it's for Jesus. You know, I mean, so I wonder how often they hear complaints right, about right. this. What's your price? <laughs> right, right. We do all the time. It's like sixty five bucks. <laughs> I can't afford that. That's fine. Be cheap. Whatever. <laughs> but but it was cool because that family had seen us preach in in yeah. Cali. They got to meet you. They Did talked they, to you. Okay, I was gonna say. Yeah, they got a, a family they, that I met. Yeah, they got a constitution course. I don't know if you remember them. She had a liberty shirt on, blonde lady, and then he was like glasses. And uh, they'd come I, once or twice. She bought a shirt, and then they ended up buying a kit. Yeah. And uh, so they'd come to one of the classes, and they were very just 
heaping praise on the ministry and like what we do, how, how we comport ourselves, how, how we conduct our, our conduct. But then they said, when we went to your class, it was not only informative, you were so inspirational. Like you got us to talk about Jesus Christ in a way we've never really heard before right. through politics. Like Jesus is an underpinning of my belief, but yet the law of God is what creates common law. So it's like, it was all this cool weaving through, right? Why we need to be light in a dark place, why we need to be. So it was really cool. You know what, what connection you just made for me is we do that in the political realm, right? And people always tell us, Oh, you can't mix Jesus and politics. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold hold that yeah, thought because I want to add to that, right? We always get this in our comment section. It's separation of church and state. Haven't you heard about it? Uh, oh, score one for me. <laughs> Unique <laughs> argument. Press send. I'm being cavalier about this one. They've never heard yeah, of this before. Yeah, I'm going to checkmate them. <laughs> Separate your church and state <laughs> in the Constitution. Boom. And of course, we've been. T- I've been in. I've been in ministry for a long time, talking about these things. And it's like, oh, you're. Oh, you're right. What I, am I thinking? I. I just. What am I thinking? Oh, joy wells up within me when we get those type of like <laughs> arguments of like I never heard of that one before. Oh, you've been thinking about this one. <laughs> been putting this one together einstein <laughs> new theories of law there montesquieu who <laughs> oh. uh. who <laughs> don't vote french <laughs> oh man <laughs> so <laughs> So that was that Have was you good. ever read Polybius? <laughs> Poly I'm not polyamorous. <laughs> I have three girlfriends. Why do you sound like five? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Because it's so easy. Ah. So the point I was going to make Sorry, go ahead. before I derailed it. No, you didn't derail I derailed this. <laughs> we 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 bring that line back together. <laughs> I Sorry. don't know if I can make this point now. <laughs> God so we bring that line back together, right? Faith, politics, that line comes back together. And what I like about what you were talking about in Dude Perfect and all of that is they bring entertainment and, and Christ back together. They merge this thing back together. And I think each culture or each sphere of the culture needs to have those entities that are showing how Christ and that sphere can come back together, right? Whether it's education, whether it's politics, whether it's entertainment, whether it's arts, media, all of that has the opportunity where Christian can come in and say, look, it's time to stop separating these two out because we've bought the lie that they must be separate. And, and you've bought the lie that nobody wants these things to be merged, that you don't want Christ at the center of it. And that's why I keep saying, look, we have to change our mindset. Yeah. It, it, the the <clears throat> yep. satanic lie, and I mean that in the realest sense, the satanic lie is that, well, keep Christ separate. Don't get Christ involved in your daily affairs. Don't have Christ be a part. You really don't want Christ in your politics. You yes. don't want him yes. in your entertainment because nobody yes. wants that. You and, know? Yeah. Yeah, we've done a few shows on the whole, um, you know, se- separation of church and state and mm-hmm. how this is all set up. And uh, another good source is David Barton. He's yeah, got videos up the yin yang, you know, and, and several others now have started to comment on, you know, again, the founders didn't want a state run church. I mean, they left that from England. So what they were saying was they didn't want uh, the government mingling in church affairs because there's something about putting the God stamp on it that really makes people freak out. So it's, it's dangerous. like, it is dangerous because people are like, Oh God said, you know I mean? We can't, that's something not refutable. When yeah. Well, the Lord just really told me, I just felt impressed on my heart about the Lord. He just put something in my heart. It's like, okay, <laughs> I can't tell you, well, that's not the Lord. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause I'm contending. Yeah who, am I? yeah. who am I? Right. So it's like, be careful when you put people put the God stamp on things. Like I just feel called by God to do this. And it's like, uh, you can't see the danger. Okay. Do you man? I feel right? like, called by god to leave my wife and run away with a secretary which people have done dude we've heard those kinds of things it's like um 
that one I can refute though. Like, like when you're talking about, I got to move, I got to do this. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, do you, but, and that's, and I think that's, that's what the separation the, was. Anyways, yeah. And, and that's a warning to all of us, you know, like we, we've been accused obviously of wanting a theocracy. I do not want a Pope style authority or a King style absolute authority that says, well, God has called me to lock everybody in their homes. God has told me that lockdowns are necessary. God has told me that everybody should get the vaccine. Yeah. That's called a cult. That's, that's a cult. And we are very much against that. Yep. That I do. But that's why the, 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 the separation of powers happened with the government. This is a really good weave into that's perfect. It's a perfect weave because the separation of powers today, we're talking about the Supreme court and its authority, right? But the reason for the separation of powers is because one centralized power, whether it was Congress, a president, what, they had it under one just banner instead of three separate that are supposed to keep each other in check. We would have tyranny. Yeah. Now, the founders were very explicit about if all three came together and were united, it'd be tyranny, which is what we're seeing today. Uh, when you have a, a look, I'm just going with this in, as an example, a Democrat controlled Congress and Senate president. Right. I'm sorry. Democrat controlled Congress, a Democrat controlled president and a Supreme Court that was stacked by their liberal view of thinking that's not constitutional or whatever. It's going to create havoc because they're just going to pass whatever they want. There's no check and balance, which what it was supposed to do was there was supposed to be unbiased people on the on the on the judiciary. There was supposed to be unbiased, uh, unparty type people Mm -hmm. on Congress, unparty, unbiased type person as a president. They were doing what was best for liberty and for people and for freedom. And then guess what happens and get it in their craw about I got to have power. I got to have authority. I want to make moves. And then they sell you by your lust saying we're going to do this for you. So just give us more power. And that's kind of what happens. A snowball effect happens. Ooh, and if you want to look at that um, in an image sense, you get the tribalism first. So first you get the tribalism. Yep. They, they start dividing. And, and Y'all you can't build tell me. <clears throat> go, go, ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so you, you build your teams, right? And then the next step is, okay, well, we want more people on our teams. So we're going to start promising you stuff. Yeah. I mean, we, we're, we'll promise you that, that if you join our team, We'll get done your values. Nobody's more excited about the, the reversal of an opinion, I think, more than the Christian. Well, at least they should be anyway, right? Uh, the true Christian, the one who yeah. knows that life is protected by God. It's created in creation, uh, conception, that kind of thing. But what a perfectly timed thing to happen. More division, more chaos, more disruption. And every authoritarian government does this, where it's like they know something's going to come out. Guess who's got to come in and bring the order? Yeah government something more powerful than them something that brings a chaos or i'm sorry order out of chaos and so <clears throat> what am i saying the lord moved yeah but we got to be ready we're not falling into right. these devices we're not falling into these arguments we're not falling into hatred uh and i say this a lot to the christian they, they there's really like this animus against uh the left and and it's like okay there are some who are seditious there's no question but have you ever preached the gospel to them like for real like have you ever just sat about and thought about their their souls that are lost they need Jesus too, on the right and on the left. And when we start focusing more on the politics side, which is important, we know that we talk about it instead of the gospel, which should be our our our, our main goal and end. Right? That was, I think, Harvard's motto to to know Jesus. Right? I think that's where we lose the battle here because politics isn't going to fix anything. Politics got us into this mess. We have to get a moral foundation, a moral kind of underpinning. Right. First, and then our politics can make sense. Right. We then we'll find some kind of common ground and unity about. I may not agree with how you see that, but I see what you're saying, and we want liberty together. So how do we achieve that? Right. right. So I think that's what's happening with the Supreme Court. Now we got to get into this. We're ten yeah. minutes in. Shoot, man, come on. So we have to start the whole discussion with the concept of the three branches. We just said it kind of a little bit. This was pretty a well established idea, and this was not just overnight thinking. I wish people would like understand. It's like the Supreme Court sucks. The electoral college is so stupid. They, why? Because, why do they fight? It should. They should all agree. And they're not thinking about these guys. Literally studied governments, history, philosophy, law professors, law uh, makers over time, and developed this system that wasn't willy nilly. It wasn't something done uh, in in the heat of the night, you know, without thought. And so uh, th- th- this was a pretty well established idea. And you saw something similar in England where the judiciary, the crown, and the parliament were separated and had their own roles. The problem is, is when back in that time, the the, the, the king was the pope and the pope was the king and, yeah. you know, God decrees. Power centralized. Right, right, power centralized. 
guys such as Polybius uh, Montesquieu, whom we discuss in our amazing, awesome Constitution course, which you should get this weekend. It's $125 for a bundle pack. Go on theselfevidenttruth.com and you can get one this weekend for July 4th. It's uh it's it's your American yeah, it's, it's your American duty. Oh we are slashing Whoa. prices, dude. Whoa. Hey, I just uh, want to say this. The Constitution course <laughs> itself is 250. The other course is 80. We slashed the entire thing to 125. Fourth of July. Oh my goodness. I wow. want to buy I want to buy my own kit. I just heard that price and I am flabbergasted. Guys, buy it now. Holy cow. I my heart goes out to those who paid the other prices. But hey, you know. Why'd you say that? <laughs> it's called a deal. It's an amazing deal. Hey, jump on. If you have not jumped on, jump on. Anyways, continue, Mass. Yeah, so uh, it, it, the, guys like Montesquieu, Polybius, they, they, they wanted this type of uh, supported inclusion uh, into government. And so, so what is it? What, what makes each branch uh, each other? What makes them who they are, right, And as, as a branch and attempts to keep them from joining forces against the other? The executive branch is very simple. It's the president and vice president. There's really not a lot of authority given to those guys, except for foreign affairs. When, when the wartime happens, they're the commander in chief, you know, that kind of thing, making sure the naval bases, uh, I'm sorry, naval forces and other things are called upon making sound decisions, that kind of stuff. And they, they basically write, you know, they, they put their signature on it. This is law. He can also veto things like bills and things yeah. like that. If he sees this is unconstitutional, which is what should be done. Not because he doesn't like it, it's because it's unconstitutional. That's why they should veto. And then the Congress with two thirds majority vote can override the veto of the president, which is so crazy, right? Because they were smart. It's like, well, what if the president's tyrannical and they don't want to see something for liberty? They want to do something completely off the Congress who is controlled by the people who we elect, right? They're, they're direct representatives of us should be able to say that he's a tyrant. We're going to overrule that by two thirds vote. And I, I just want you guys to to ponder this for a second. If you were creating a constitution, would you think of that? Oh, come on. Right? No. Like I I think we think these guys just quick wrote some stuff down on paper and hey, there's a government. And we're like, yeah, well, why didn't they do this? Or why didn't they do that? Really ponder how much these the federalist papers if you actually read all through the federalist papers it is an entire discussion about why they did what they did for each part and piece of the entire government these guys thought through this thoroughly true were they perfect no but the fact that they thought well what if the president is tyrannical and vetoes something that the people really want well, we've got to have a recourse for that. Yeah. Right? What if what if half the states introduce a bill that's tyrannical? It's going to take away their their, their freedoms, right? Their liberties. The president's got that ultimate authority to say, nope, we're not signing that because mm -hmm. I see that as a violation of the law. So it's like, dude, there's such a cool contrast. Right. But then to get two thirds to get behind that kind of a vote is time. Yeah. You had to convince you had to do. This was not supposed to be quick processes for no. bills. It was supposed to be time. Uh, so laws weren't supposed to be passed willy nilly. It was supposed to be like, why are we getting 6,000 page bills at, at two 30 in the morning? Right. And then signing them at eight in the morning. Who's going to read 6,000 pages. Yeah. Who's going to read 4,000 pages. How did they have all that ready? Exactly. You know what I mean? They've been waiting in the wings for these things. And so they get their guy in and then bam, tyranny, tyranny happened. And, and I wish the liberal would hear this. This is dangerous because the right does it too. Right. If, if you don't like that, the other side does it, then maybe you shouldn't like it in general. And we heard Obama say time and time again, Congress isn't acting. Congress isn't doing enough. They're not moving forward. And I kept saying, good, good. I don't want Congress doing much. I want Congress fighting. I want Congress in stalemate. Because what that says is things are getting sifted out and things are really getting weighed. If Congress isn't doing anything, that means I have a little bit more time with my freedom. What really scares me is when Congress starts acting smooth and fast, like bipartisan gun control legislation. Exactly. Anyway. So, no, everything he said is right. So the executive branch, president, vice president, they enforce the law. They make sure that the law is being enforced and making sure that we can uh, walk forward. The legislative writes the law, the Congress. They write the law. Presidents enforce, vice presidents enforce that law. The judicial judge... Uh, the judicial judge cases through the lens of the law. All right. So you got the basic sense of it. But what about all the Supreme Court talk? Some of the, some people seem to believe that the Supreme Court makes law and others think the Supreme Court is the political force of government because we don't hear about Congress anymore. It's all about what the Supreme Court Supreme said. Court said there it is. Not Congress passed a law. When read Article one, Section one, or I'm sorry, the Bill of Rights. What the heck am I talking? 
the Bill of Rights, Article 1, where it says Congress shall make no law. Mm-hmm. Notice it didn't say the judiciary shall make no law. It doesn't say anything about the executive shall make no law. Congress shall make no law. That's the only lawmaking authority, right? So what about this Supreme Court? Let's let's and I, I want to point something out. If this has ever been confusing to you, we can break this down just in the name. So legislative branch, Congress. What is legislation? Lawmaking, law, right? Judicial branch. The root word? Judiciary. Yeah, judiciary. Judiciary. Judging, right? Judging cases. Okay, so that tells Notice, you judging, not interpreting, rules. judging. Right, and we're going to get into how this has expanded and, and changed. So the Supreme Court, in the Constitution itself, I'm not going to read all this, but I'm going to give you a basic gist of it. So Section 1, and I highly recommend you pause this, pull up the, the Article, Article 3, 3, Section 1 and 2. Yep, pull up Article 3 so you can read through it. So you know what I'm talking about. It's very important. If you want to know your constitution and know what does it actually say and you want to know how your government is supposed to run, you have to read these things. So first point, section one, this talks about having a Supreme Court, okay? And then courts spread out in the in the structure as they should, as they're needed, much like Moses and the judge system that he put in place. If you don't know that story, his father-in-law comes to him and his father-in-law says, Moses is judging everything that's going on with the people two, three million people. Moses is the one doing all the judging. And his father-in-law comes to him and says, look, you're going to die. Yep. Literally said that to him. not good for you. Yeah, you will die. And he said, what you need to do is you need to set up a system, a structure, a hierarchy of judging so that you just hear the major cases. That's the Supreme Court. Supreme Court is basically Moses, right? In, in, if you're in, <laughs> in this the Bible, analogy, yeah, yeah. In the analogy, <laughs> okay, it, it doesn't. I like how perfect, he made. But. I like how he made sense of that. That was good. <laughs> so, like Supreme Court, here's the major cases that get passed up, right? But there, you have your 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 courts that go all the way down to the city level and and so forth. So, Section One basically defines that: Hey, you can make more courts and and do what you need to do. Second part basically says that judges will be in office or the second part of section one basically says judges will be in office without electoral terms. Why? So they can act on good behavior. In other words, if they have bad behavior, they can be impeached. But this way, they're not worrying about election process. They're not worrying about, oh, uh, what political points do I have to score in order to get in? You know? Yeah. And bad behavior, I still strongly believe this could be they're not holding their oath to office. Yeah. They're not holding their oath to their constitution. I do believe they should be removed if they're not doing that. I agree. Section two, this is where we really start pulling things apart. So what section two does is basically gives all the cases that the judicial court can rule over. I'm not going to go through all of them. You can read them, but it's a lot of different courses. If you notice, a case like impeachment doesn't go before the judicial system. It goes instead before Congress, right? So there are certain cases that go before Congress, but they're very few in far between but just listen closely to what he's about to read in section two which part? just the first line the of section section two, two. sorry the judicial... crying out loud man this is I your did, show i i didn't know what i was reading <laughs> judicial the judicial system <laughs> judicial power shall extend that's a call back to dana carvey for anybody <laughs> judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this constitution the laws, laws of, of the united, united states, states and trees made or which shall shall be made under under their authority stop this is the point i always hit it shall the judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and in equity arising under this constitution let me ask you a question where are bathrooms marriage those kinds of things in the constitution that's without their jurisdiction states states those are states issues now I even think the the whole ruling about life going back to the states is wrong because you nobody can determine when life begins or ends. Right. But it's a common popular talk point, so I got to make the sleep right. And I'm learning this that Pastor Todd told me this the other day, and I, he's so right. I'm a, I'm a foundational idealist. I am. I ideally want to see things return to liberty. I do. He was saying you got to help people make the leap from that to that. So what does that look like? And so I'm understanding more and more that I love what I talk about, but there's got to be steps to get back to that point. So we're working on that, doing some pamphlets and things that we're working on on the side here. But, uh, you know, and he's a brainiac over here, Mikey, he, he does it all and in, in, in more. But if you think about cases that arise under in law and in equity, where it says under this constitution, the, the constitution is so limited in scope 
to the federal government that the Supreme Court can't do anything outside of that scope. Neither can Congress, neither can the president. The, the Constitution was written against those three branches of government. It was not supposed to be for them. It was supposed to be against them to push back their authority and their power. But we've seen more and more over time because, hey, we're all ignorant. I was ignorant at first, right? Yeah. We didn't know. I was never really taught. I was taught civics, but not law and history, that these roles are just somehow rulers. I'm going to make this point right now. There's people are using these uh, these scriptures, and, and I got to start changing this narrative with you guys, right? When the wicked are in authority, the people mourn. Right. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. What you're saying is that the federal government is the ultimate authority and ruler, and they're not. You are. Right. They're not the authority. They're your representatives. You've preached. You've harped on this. I don't know how long. <laughs> right. We hire them. They work for us. They're not the authority. The Supreme Court is not the authority. The law is the authority. The law is not wicked. The, the Constitution itself was not a wicked document to destroy your liberties, to destroy religious liberty, to destroy school liberty, to destroy your choices. It was written against the federal government. We got to flip the narrative. We are in the majority if we're of God. So when the, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. You should be preaching joy and rejoicing from the housetops. I'm going to use all this stuff Ooh, Sunday. So th there's more to this, right? You got to quit saying that they're an authority. They're not. And we're giving them the title that they don't deserve. Because how can unlawful men be an authority when God's law is the authority? I'm talking about Christianity. I don't let wicked people have authority over. I don't let Satan have authority over my life. That's wrong. And if he is an authority, would you continuously say the wicked is my authority right now? No, no, Lord. I need your authority. I need you to come through for me. I need you to destroy the idols in my life. Father, you're the, you're the one I submit to, right? Same thing in government. The federal government is not the ruler. You are. See what I'm saying? We got to flip this narrative. We got to empower the people now. We got to start talking this way because for too long we've been hearing constitutional rights, not God-given. Constitutional privileges, all these other things. That's wrong. I have a rights. I have rights, that, but the, the, I can show you seriously a hundred, a hundred quotes. I literally mean a hundred on the founders' writings on rights coming from the creator, the great legislator of the universe, the, the divine providential one, you know, all these other things. I can show you quote after quote why they said that rights don't come from man. And when man's law starts to violate those things, it is our duty to stand against it, John Hancock said. It's the Christian and social duty of each individual to resist tyranny. And tyranny begins when they start to take away the rights of God that he gave you. What would Hancock say? I publicly avow my eternal enmity to tyranny. Yeah. You know, like that. Jefferson said the stamp, same thing. Jefferson know? said the same thing. Yeah. I have on my mind against the, the, any any hostility towards the mind of man. I, I put my life on it that I'm going to stand against it. He's right. And so, again, we got to change the tongue. Yeah, exactly. I, God, that was great, man. I want to end it there. Okay. We could. We could. We ain't gonna. But, but we got to teach you about the Supreme Court because I want you going out after this podcast, understanding very clearly who is the Supreme Court, because I think they are shrouded in mystery and we haven't figured out what are they supposed to be doing. So the Supreme Court, they handle issues where a state is involved and they handle appellate situations. This means reversing or holding up decisions. So as a as a case gets appealed up the course of chain of events, the Supreme Court can choose to take a case where, okay, we're going to make a final ruling on this case. Sometimes they'll even send it back down to another court, right? So we got to go back to the three branches just for a second, because it gives us an idea of the philosophy behind the judicial branch. We have to get into the minds of the founders and the writing of the constitution. What were they thinking about the judicial branch, which it's so interesting there's no philosophy written out in the Constitution about what the judicial branch is supposed to be aiming for. Notice in Article 3, it talks about the types of cases they handle, but it doesn't tell them how to handle it. So we've got to go to the founders and their writings to figure out, okay, what is that philosophy behind that? Alexander Hamilton considered the judicial branch as the least dangerous to the political rights of the Constitution. He said this because he felt the power of the Congress and executive branch outweigh the judicial. Now, whether or not he was right or wrong, um, the focus was how to keep a government branch from becoming tyrannical. Right. So they each check each other. I think he said this because read Article 3, Section 2. They can only do this. Right. They can only handle these. This cases. is all they got. 
Madison said in Federalist 47, the accumulation of all powers, legislative, executive, and judiciary in the same hands, whether of one, a few, or many, and whether hereditary, self-appointed, or elective, may justly be pronounced the very definition of tyranny. Therefore, Madison is saying they have to be opposed to each other at times. In 84, Federalist 84, he said, an elective despotism was not the government we fought for. That means... Well, the, the conservatives, they own all of it because they got elected. So now we can do whatever we want. We've got carte blanche. The, the whole election mandate idea. Well, we have a mandate from the people because we were elected. Not right, true. right, 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 Not right. True. Is it constitutional? Right. He said he continues, but one in which the powers of government should be so divided and balanced among the several bodies of magistracy as that no one could transcend their legal limits without being effectually checked and restrained so by the good. Others. They were supposed to keep each other in check. This happened through not having popular elections for most judges. OK, that makes sense now. Right. So what would happen is the president nominates the Senate gets to give advice and consent. Congress can eliminate or create lower federal courts. You notice the the power over the courts is spread out between the president and the Congress. Again, checks and balances. And that's why the first black Supreme Court justice was was today. Round, yeah, yeah. What's her name? Kentaji. 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 Oh, I'm not saying that's we're, mine. We're not we're, insulting. We're, we no, 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 no. Because no. it, it was, out. it's hard. You know, you people want their names pronounced a certain way. We don't want to, we yeah. don't want to mess that up. But, you know, she was the first black person. <laughs> because, because that's right. Oh, man. In the Federalist Papers, Hamilton wrote, the interpretation of the laws is the proper and peculiar province of the courts. Okay, so we have a hint. Now, you can argue whether or not Hamilton was right or not. We'll get more into that. Hamilton is saying in the Federalist Papers, hey, this is what the Constitution is is supposed to be. That's why the Federalists wrote it, to explain the Constitution. The interpretation of the laws is the proper and peculiar province of the courts. A Constitution is, in fact, and must be regarded by judges as fundamental law. It therefore belongs to them to ascertain its meaning as well as the meaning of any particular act proceeding from the legislative body. Hey, we have a hint. In other words, they're supposed to take the con- Hamilton is saying they're supposed to take the Constitution and interpret law and cases through the Constitution. Which that's what makes this Roe v. Wade case so unique. If you read the case itself, they could. They, they said that the state had no authority to tell them they couldn't uh, abort their baby before fetal viability. Fetal viability is so open ended, yep. especially at that time in '73. You know, I think ultrasounds. I, I don't know if they just came out or were coming out after, but it, it was like it come out. I think like ten years after. Yeah, so it was like it was really hard to I determine fetal viability, right? And that's a whole separate topic. Yeah. But then they said this. They said that the Fourteenth Amendment. That's cool. Ten years before. So even then. Science was already spotty, shady, right? Because things have improved. But if you look at what they said, the 14th Amendment guarantees a right to privacy. Anybody read the 14th Amendment has nothing to do with privacy. There is the word privacy is not in there. Right? Not even in there. Number one, number two. But it says all persons born or naturalized in the United States, which to me took away states rights. Right. But then it goes on to say no person shall be deprived of life, liberty or property without due process. Has a baby had due process? Those who believe in life. So. This whole idea of what they said, even guys like John Hart Ely, I think he was a professor at, uh, I want to say Princeton. I'll look it up and, and hopefully we can put the quote down there. But he basically said they pulled this out of the constitutional yeah. ether. This had nothing to do with the constitution. These, and these guys were liberal professors who favored legalized abortion. Uh, uh, the professor Kermit, same thing. These guys favorized legal abortions, right, through Congress. But basically said this was constitutionally unfounded. Even Ginsburg. Ginsburg even said. Ginsburg even said, this is really shit. It's a stretch. That's yeah. a real stretch. And it was a stretch. This is what happens when you have activist judges who become an oligarchy instead of constitutional ones. And the, the problem is now we see activist judges in everything. So now, especially the left, is looking at these judges who overruled this and say, they're all activists, conservative, right-wing extremists. No, what they did was they actually gave it back to the states. They did. They're releasing power back to the states. The people where it should be, right? No. (laughs) For us, me, 
it's life. It is. That comes under federal law. To me, abortion outlawed. Why? Because it's life. So, and when Massey was talking about this whole steps thing, hey, I'll celebrate the step that at least it's being handed back to the states. So now, now we have a release of power back to the states to determine how they're going to do it, which Florida is actually seeing a fight right now because Florida's state constitution has language in it of this idea of privacy. And so, of course, the, the left is jumping on that to say, well, see, we have privacy in Florida, so you can't ban abortion. That's a fight. That's an argument. It is okay. an argument. It is a fight, but also too. To to we we have to determine, and this is where Congress has to step in here in Florida. People think Florida is like this bastion of liberty. Man, we're there's one really step away. there's only two or three that are really fighting for liberty. There's a lot of rhinos in our state Senate and and, and that kind of thing uh, that don't support liberty and they want to go with the party line because they're getting paid. Um, but the Congress needs to act and say, when does life begin? Mm-hmm. Then that determines what privacy really is, because life is truly by science, not by my religion. By the way, you people who are decrying the church right now, the church get involved in government. Listen religion to me. over my body. Read the opinion from the Supreme Court. It had nothing to do with religion, had nothing to do with the church. It had everything to do with jurisdiction. It is without our jurisdiction to vote. They can't they couldn't touch that. It had nothing to do with the church. That would be akin to me attaching the uh, pro-choice movement to the satanic temple. Yeah, it's like you're 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 trying to get satanic temple religious ideas enshrined. By the way, there's a lot of Democrats. If you want to go there, that are pro-life. There are atheists that are pro-life. Mm-hmm. Has nothing. Me get not getting vaccinated had nothing to do with my religion. It had everything to do with this is my body, dude. Get off me. And I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, I don't need a religious exemption for you to tell me that it's wrong for you to harpoon something in my arm. I don't need God to tell me. That, that's God gave me autonomy. If I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. It's called choice, free will. That had nothing to do with religion. I could make a case for it. I can make a case against abortion through the scriptures, of course. And I would win because that's what my belief is. But this had nothing to do with religion. And and I would argue, don't let them railroad you. That's into what I'm. That. That's what I'm trying to say. Right? Don't get into this argument about you church people. Blah blah blah. Shut it. Shut it down immediately. Shut it down. It has, has nothing. Nothing to do, to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Had everything to do with those guys saying this wasn't within the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. Right. We couldn't rule on this. This goes the, back to where it should be in the states. Yeah. Which again, we still debate. But I mean, yeah. We we argue. No, oh, it should be federal law a ban against it because you are ending a life. So therefore it's, it's the same thing as murder, but I, I'm the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand the, okay. States. The the, the one issue about making law federally is it can be overturned and then it's a blanket over the States. It's so hard. This, this political system is really tricky if you don't understand it because we say on the right, make a law, make a, this, make an executive action, make an executive. But then the other side comes in. We're going to reverse. We're going to undo. We're going to, you know. Let me refine. I want a constitutional amendment. Yes. At the end of the day. How about. That's perfect. I appreciate that. I That's appreciate perfect. Yeah, that. yeah. But, and and I'm, I wasn't saying that. To, I wasn't no. saying that to, to correct. I was saying it, if you can't see the intricacies of this federal government and state governments and how they uh, almost either weave together or collide against each other, mm-hmm. you're not paying attention. This this whole government is is the, one of the most intricate yet simple things on how to create law, how to keep people free and liberated, blah, blah, blah. The only thing, listen closely to me, this is a may may. The only thing enslaving us is our ignorance. That's the only thing. The only reason that the, the, the right ever lost any ground on any of this or the conservative, I should say, not even the right because we're not the right, but the conservative. The only reason liberty was losing is because of our ignorance not because of the wiles of government because we allowed it to happen because we didn't know. Yeah. That's it. And, and the passions of men unrestrained. What happened? John Adams said that we don't have a government powerful enough to contend with men's passions unbridled by religion and morality. Notice the two religion and morality because some people weren't religious. They were moral. So we don't have a government that can stop, even try to stop men from sin. And if you look at quotes from Washington, Madison, Jefferson, uh, uh, Franklin, all of those guys talked about the important pillars of moral bingo, virtue, bingo, right? religion, how important it was undergirding this whole system, because guess what? This system can be exploited if you do not have morality and virtue. Anyways, we continue. So Hamilton was saying, look, they're weak. 
the but they need to interpret the laws. Madison was all was was in mind with this whole idea of judicial review. So what Madison's suggestion was, hey, let's make a council. Make a council of people from the executive and people from the judicial. As a law is being considered in Congress, that group gets what he termed a, a negative vote. Um, I, I would term it kind of a minority vote, right? So they, they couldn't overrule what was going in Congress, but they could get a vote on whether or not this legislation was constitutional. Madison's thought was, let's have this council. And as the legislation's getting passed through, they can determine, hey, this is constitutional. It's not. So that way it doesn't get enshrined. And then the courts have to determine it after the fact of whether or not it's True. constitutional. Try to save the process, which tells you in Madison's mind, the courts were there to determine whether or not a law was constitutional. Perfect. So we move forward then. Judicial review, that is what this is. Judicial review is whether or not a law is constitutional. Now, this idea was not enshrined in the Constitution. Notice we talked, the Constitution never gave a philosophy of what the courts were supposed to, how they were supposed to rule. It was just they handle these cases. So when did it happen? So before the Constitution, you even had state courts that were already overturning legislative acts which conflicted with state constitutions. Okay, You had courts who were saying, no, 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 this is against the Constitution of our state. We can't have this law. During the Constitutional Convention, arguments against Madison's Judicial Review Council centered around Fair points. two points. It would muddle the separation of powers. Which it could. Which it because could. Because you're getting two different branches. 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 <laughs> Getting two different branches of people into one room. Now that muddles the separation. Very fair point. Yeah. Madison was, was, was thinking. I know. Gosh. And he wasn't always right, but he was always thinking. And the judiciary already possessed the capacity to declare laws unconstitutional. If that's the argument happening in the Constitutional Convention, it means most of these men in their mind said, yeah, the judiciary will be able to tell whether or not a law is constitutional. You know what I'm noticing about all this stuff that we're talking about? You know what this requires? Men of integrity and fortitude. Oh, we're so to keep, to keep your word, right? To say, okay, I'm going to stick no matter what with what a vote is. I have to know in my heart, my mind, my study, this is unconstitutional or not. Right. It's like church. I don't care what the people say. If it's unbiblical, I ain't doing it. Do as the Bereans do. If it's do. biblical, I'm doing it. That's right. Do as the Bereans do. And, and, and it's the same thing in government. It's not that the Constitution is a dogma or a religion, but it's something you swore an oath to protect and uphold. Mm -hmm. So if we're not doing things according to that law and we're doing things according to case and precedent, Guys, that's where we missed it, right? And so here you're seeing this beautiful unraveling. We haven't even gotten into the other two branches yet, but yeah. this unraveling of like ideas, the meeting of the minds was so huge at that time. Can you imagine how long this process took? Because they were going there to, to amend the articles and, and then they were sent by their states. I still disagree with those who think that they did this in the dead of night. They were sent to do something and to change it. They just changed it into a constitution. So we can debate that. Yeah. Fight that's, me. That's, Fight me. You know, <laughs> that's a whole different discussion, but, but I appreciate the thought. Right, right, right. And this, you, you got to see just this alone. We're doing a whole show dedicated to it because the intricacy of the Supreme Court, the intricacy of Congress and Senate and, and, and the presidency. Can you imagine how long these debates lasted? And oh, all was... those dudes in that room were saying liberty, liberty. So contentious. Yeah. Too. You're encroaching on liberty on this. Pull it yeah. away. You're, you're trying to separate. Now you're trying to muddle the separation of powers. Pull it away. So like it was just this constant. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's why they couldn't agree. Yeah. That's why it was so hard for them to agree on this. And it, it's so hard to find that fine line between unity <clears throat> without tyranny. Oh, my gosh. Unity without, without compromise and, and the compromises yeah. that will hurt. And, and how do we keep this thing? To, and, and just as an example, Madison thought you would tear the country apart. And, and tyranny would prevail if these little factions gained power within the state. So what he saw the federal government as is a, a bulwark against these rising movements that would try and take tyranny, right? Whether he was right or wrong, his vision at the end of the day was, how do I arrest tyranny That's right. and prolong the life of this nation? 
And then there were others on the other side, the anti-federalists, who said, no, it's the central government that is going to. And, and, and it's tyr- so, oh, you know. Right? So this idea of judicial review was really enshrined in 1801 by Chief Justice John Marshall. In Madison versus Marbury, at the end of his administration, John Adams had appointed Marbury as a justice of the peace. Marbury didn't get the papers before Adams left. Jefferson was coming into office, told Madison, don't give Marbury the appointment since he didn't sign the papers yet. Marbury sued for his appointment, citing the Judiciary Act of 1789. This will come back to play. I know there's a lot of just like happen, 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 but it's important. The law gave the Supreme Court the power to order judges and government officials to act. Notice this. The Judiciary Act of 1789 gave the Supreme Court the power to order judges and government officials to act. In a majority opinion, Marshall agreed Marbury had a right to the position. However, he ruled that the Supreme Court couldn't order Madison to deliver the appointment. Wow. Boom. Wow. Because they couldn't federally put it on one person. Dude, come on. This is so good. His opinion stated that the Judiciary Act of 1789 gave a power to the Supreme Court that they didn't have under the Constitution. Wow. 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 Since the Constitution was the Supreme Law, Marshall opined that no statute or law could stand if it violated the Constitution. He reasoned it was the Supreme Court's duty to overturn it as opposed to enforce it as it was written. Wow. That's judicial review enshrined. Argue it for or against. That's where it got enshrined. That's the debate and difference. Judicial review says the Supreme Court determines whether a law is constitutional or not. The other side of the debate says the judiciary is only supposed to interpret the law. As the years passed on, the, con- the court has continued to expand its judicial review powers to cover executive administrative orders as well, not just legislation. That's an argument for another day, but we're telling you where this has gotten to. Mind you, England never gave power to the courts to overrule a law on constitutional ground. Their courts never had that. They just had to interpret the law and push it forward as it said. Judges cannot enforce laws, executive, nor write them, legislative, they can only rule on cases brought before them. And if it's unconstitutional what they rule, it's up to the Congress and the presidency to hold them accountable to that. Right. So Stor- Joseph Story, Assistant Justice, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, said the Constitution of the United States is to receive a reasonable interpretation of its language and its powers, keeping in view the objects and purposes for which those powers were conferred. <clears throat> is a judicial review. Hamilton argued the propriety of a law in a constitutional light must always be determined by the nature of the powers upon which it is founded. When writing observations, uh, Madison stated, in the state constitutions and indeed in the federal one also, no provision is made for the case of a disagreement in expounding them. And as the courts are generally the last in making their decision, it results to them by refusing or not refusing to execute a law to stamp it with its final character. This makes the Judiciary Department paramount, in fact, to the legislature, which was never intended and can never be proper. This was meant as a lament. He recognized the inherent nature of judicial review, but questioned whether they should be the final voice. He and Jefferson actually went back and forth on this whole final voice thing. Jefferson said the final voice should actually be the people. Hmm. We should convene, have a group you know, of representatives that come to determine whether or not this law is constitutional or, or what's going on in all of this. Madison said, if you do that, every week we're going to have something. Truth. We'll, we'll have an argument about this every single week. It'll devolve into chaos. You pick your winner, you know. Uh, another piece of the Constitution used as evidence of judicial review was the Supremacy Clause, which the judiciary considered a clause that required judges to treat the Constitution, federal laws, and national treaties as the supreme law of the land, anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. Now, even though, even today, skeptics argue that the Constitution did not explicitly provide for the exercise of judicial review, that is what the Supremacy Supreme Clause actually Supremacy. accomplished. Supremacy Clause. That if, whether or not that was actually what it was intended for, that's what it ended up accomplishing. Uh, Madison wrote in Federalist 39, it is true that in controversies relating to the boundary between the two jurisdictions, the tribunal, which is ultimately to decide, is to be established under the general government, aka the federal government. But this does not change the principle of the case. 
the decision is to be impartially made according to the rules of the Constitution. And all the usual most effectual precautions are taken to secure this impartiality. Some such tribunal is clearly essential to prevent an appeal to the sword and a dissolution of the compact. And, the, and that it ought to be established under the general rather than under the local governments, or to speak more properly, that it could be safely established under the first alone is a position not likely to be combated. Man. So allegiance to the Constitution. Now we have judicial review. What does it mean in terms of allegiance? Now, this built naturally in 1789, Washington, George Washington's first criterion of appointment for federal judiciary was loyalty to the Constitution by having been a part of the Federalist movement. Remember, the Federalists supported the Constitution. Anti-Federalists did not. So Washington wanted guys who were Federalists because they supported the Constitution. Therefore, he felt the Constitution would be upheld by the guys who were these judges. Adams later made membership of Federalist Party first criterion um, and blah, blah, blah. I think I made my point. Uh, now, it's case law, ideological vetting of judges, precedent, doctrine, and professional competence that control the conversation. Judicial review takes into account not only the original body of the Constitution, but amendments, especially the 14th. We've used the 14th in a bevy of cases and it tends to revolve around the due process clause. Now, we discuss this at length in our Constitution course. Go by it. Yeah, so totally. The, the judicial, when, when they make an opinion, when they, when they say, hey, here's, here's our ruling, right? There's an appeal process to come in and say, okay, where, where, where are we going to appeal this? Where are we going to do? Because court's word is not the final word. What does the law say? Anybody with half a mind should have said, when they in 73 or in 62, when they took prayer out of public schools, that had nothing to do with the Supreme Court, had nothing to do with law. For 200 years, we did this, and all of a sudden, 62, we're like, oh, it's unconstitutional. That's wrong, and we never appealed it. We never went before the Supreme Court. And I shouldn't say never. I'm sure many people tried to or did, but it's like this idea that once the Supreme Court says something, they're the final arbiters of law. That's not even close to the case right. if you heard what we said. Hamilton was very clear about the, the, their authority and their scope. Read Article 3, Section 2. They can only wait. Now, people will say, well, they do it, though. How do we stop it? This is where the states have to come in. You said it, that ain't law. We ain't going to do that no more. How do we do that? Step by step by step. We literally have to start controlling. And guys, we've been preaching this before it was cool. State and local governments. We were preaching this oh, yeah. way Years. before 2020. Way before 2020. Friends of ours would laugh at us because we talked about control of local governments. Oh, that's not going to do anything. It's a federal. We got to get the president. No, now you've created a king. This is what we've been talking about for a long time. The states must be the interposition against the federal government the sheriffs our local governments need to say no this is unconstitutional federally for what you're doing right now our schools will maintain this and this is what's been happening for years the only reason they get a, get away with it prayer can't be taught in schools why you're gonna we're gonna pull your funding okay well we, let's just it's not that big of a deal we'll have private rooms for you yeah you can still do it just privately you can't do because we got to maintain our funding shame on those who have been on school boards who allowed this crap to happen I'm telling you this, you, you reap what you sow. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Those kinds of, and that's not my judgment. That's the Lord's. You let this happen to kids and parents. So did we mm -hmm. for a long time. I didn't know until I knew. Now it's like, okay, this is why we're, we, we want people like Amy Pritchett, uh, Jennifer Russell, who stand on principle and say, no, we don't want this for our children. That's not even lawful. You can't do that. Like who, who made you the parent? We're the parents. Right. We're the grandparents. We're the aunts and uncles. We're, it's on us, not you. We don't need your books here. We'll figure it out. We're good. Our schools are just fine. We don't need you. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's more and more. But the, the judicial court, the, I'm sorry, the judicial courts, the courts themselves only issue opinions. Congress writes a law. Why have we believed it? Because of our ignorance. Just because they wrote an opinion does not mean we follow it. Does not mean the states should have followed it. And because the states did it, this is why I have such a distrust with both parties. Because it was both parties that allowed it. Yep. The Republican Party allowed it, too, for years. And they campaigned that we're pro-life, but we can't do anything until the court. Where's your excuse now? They just rescinded their opinion. What's your excuse now? What's stopping you now? How are you going to campaign on this in the future? Well, we can't do anything because of the courts. They don't have full authority. They don't even know the Constitution. This is why we have such a distrust with government. This is why government is not my daddy. 
This is why I don't want even government mentioned, especially at a federal level, about what we should do with our lives because they can't even tie their own shoes. They can't. They don't even know their own law. Dude, this was such a shakeup on two fronts. One that I see is more division. But the other shakeup was we weren't ready for this. No. The right wasn't ready for this. They weren't ready to say, oh, shoot, now we got to change our whole narrative. Sorry. Now we actually truth. have to do something. Absolutely. Now we have to take action. We don't have and we will see. We will see if they are truly men of principle or not. Right? Right. Because for years what we've heard is, no, we just have to, we have to go along. We have to kind of do. We just have to play because we need allies on the other side to sign these bills in. Funny, the left never said that. You, you notice what the left did immediately after? Fine, we'll nationalize abortion. We'll, we'll pass Which you knew law. was going to happen. Oh, yeah. The you knew after, they were going to say that. The day after, well, we'll federally enshrine it in law. Isn't that crazy? Which proves one thing. The Supreme Court never had it law in the first place. Mm -mm. We just believed we it. All, we all moved on that opinion. Listen to the Declaration of Independence when you read it. That, that the king uh, had uh, king issued acts of pretended legislation. Pretend means make-believe. Poof. All oh, the Supreme Court said it. Here it is. They, by their own mouth, proved that the Supreme Court doesn't make law. Congress does. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And we believed it. Yeah. I did for a long time. Then we start preaching and people are like, uh, but that's contrary to what we, how do we, what do we? I, nobody told me what to do as far as to get involved in the fight. I just did it. I read it and I said, okay, we got to do something here. So you start to do your homework in history, right? And people want the five steps and I, I get it. And I, I think we should all provide that, right? How do we stop a Supreme Court from violating law? How do we do this? At the same time, that becomes a crutch. Do your own homework, too. Because what if I'm... What if we're wrong? What if I'm wrong in one point? And I'm like, oh, that's not even lawful. Shoot, I wish I would have done that. I don't want to be a revisionist. I want to be an originalist. As far as, like, do, do, an, an originalist to the point of keeping people free, not the original 20-year slavery thing, whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what keeps people liberated. The original beliefs uh, of, of the Declaration. The philosophies of the Declaration. Yes. And... and whether the constitution supremely made it or not, whether, whether it fulfilled its purpose or not, what was the original intent through the declaration of independence into the constitution? Right. So lastly, the ignorance of us has gotten to where the Supreme court says, this is what it is, right? What do we do? We should be the ones clamoring against the Supreme court saying that is unlawful and you know it, mm -hmm. and we're not obeying this. So, let's let's round this out let's let's do just simple points so people can walk away with this right so the supreme court it was never clearly defined of this is the philosophy that the supreme court is supposed to run through but it's been established very early on 1801 right that's not very long after the constitution was was signed and ratified the idea became established that the court the supreme court is there with a judicial review capacity, as in to determine whether or not a law is constitutional or unconstitutional. Now, like Massey was saying, it's their opinion. Opinion, right? And you look at the quotes of the founders, what were they saying? The original meaning of the Constitution, the standards of the Constitution, that's what laws should be weighed by. Now, whether or not you agree, that's we're just saying that's what has has come to be through this. Now, then you get into that whole case, case law precedent, all of that, which is dangerous because now all of a sudden we're not going back to, OK, what does the Constitution actually say? We're going, well, so and so said that the Constitution says. And I understand how that process happens. Right. Well, so and so said that that's how the Constitution says it. So therefore, that's how we get into this whole privacy 14th amendment roe v wade thing it's because well so and so said it so you know no, no no you you when you're making a ruling on a case you should be going directly back to the constitution that's the original intent argument and i think that one holds so much more water than the 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 living breathing document argument that's right that's because right. because your culture and your society will will be waves that's right right it'll go up and down back and forth you now you go back to the original document it's just like scripture you don't you don't see it through the lens of your favorite activists in the 80s. You need to go back to the original meaning of the document. And sometimes that means understanding turns of phrases from that time in order to understand what were they actually saying about this, right? 
Man, dude. So there again, Supreme Court doesn't have the authority to make law. They only issue opinions. Our job is to make sure that those opinions aren't upheld as law. Right. And it's up to the people. It's up to who we elect, how we do that. And are we willing to we got to tell our state representatives, local representatives to 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 have a backbone. Mm -hmm. We're not doing this. Governor DeSantis, we're not doing this. Whatever it takes, we're not doing this. We're not allowing babies to be slaughtered. I'm sorry. Right now. There's many other things that they've ruled on that's like, are you kidding me? Like marriage is, is another one. Uh, where is the jurisdiction for marriage in the federal government? A contractual agreement between two people is not with you. That's that's not that's not you see what I'm saying? So yeah. like you're involving yourself in a case that should have never been brought. They're talking about discrimination. Well, discrimination can mean anything, right? I, where's the protection for the Christian? I feel discriminated against every day because of my opinions, right? Right. I, I'm I, I issue my what I feel, what I think. And and that gets into our and there's whole, no there's no protection for me. That gets into our whole argument about the the validity of some of these amendments. How many know? people aren't hired at companies and jobs because they're Christian? Right. Oh, we never hear about that. It happens, man. Heck yeah, they're fired because they're Christian or they're conservative. Absolutely, chased out because they're conservative. Where's the discrimination cases for that? Anyway, so guys, we love you. Thank you for tuning into Self Evident Podcast. Hopefully this helped you out a little bit. Ask your questions down below. We want to get to them. Uh, also, go to theselfevidenttruth.com. Grab you some merch uh, to help us. Also, what our new blog, I, I've been pushing this blog thing. It's great because this is a way for you to really understand and delve into what is happening in our, in our nation, how to de determine it constitutionally, and where the real authority lies. It's within the people. That's, that's the way it should have been. We the people. We love you guys so much. Tune in uh, next week. we got some more content for you. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you soon. All right. Love you guys.